Drop the subject. The new Channel Q. Drop the subject is all the way live. One more day where Ali is gone and she's uh, finishing up a trip to India. She's been there for an Indian wedding. She's been uh, doing probably some kind of meditative something with a, a mushroom and a drink or something. Who knows? Uh, she's jo- she's going to be joining me back here on Monday. But joining me in studio right now is host of Sidebar with John Duran. It's John Duran. Yay! Hey, John. Thanks for being here. How are you doing this without your yang? You guys are like yin and yang. Well, You're you know, so well balanced. It's been good. We've had uh, a, a different co-host, you know, uh, back back to back to back. So it's been kind of fun to like kind of change up the format. But uh, we'll get back to normal on Monday with when Ali gets back. Um, Mondays are always about food, and so she's been eating plenty of food in Asia that I'm sure we'll get to talk about. <laughs> um, I'm excited to have you on though because you are like my political my politico here uh, at Channel Q. So um, normally we would have a Trump free Friday. Yes. But today, in particular, when they're voting on impeachment... The House Judiciary Committee just voted... Yes, on on those articles. Forward articles of impeachment is a full House next week. So we will talk about that a little bit later, but I can't have you here and not talk Donald Trump or talk 2020. So uh, we're going to dive into all those topics in a little bit. But part of why I'm excited that you're here is because I always reference you as like the Channel Channel Q encyclopedia. Like (laughs) You have such a wealth of knowledge about anything that we ever have a conversation about. And today is Friday the 13th. Yes. which, you know, can be a little creepy for some people or they think it's unlucky or whatever it is. But I know that you have a little bit of background on what Friday the 13th is actually about. Yeah, so, okay, so here's the ancient cultural references. There's two, Friday and 13th. Right. Friday, in the early Christian church, there was Good Friday. Right. came out of the church. It's supposed to be the date of the crucifixion, right? Right. That's why Good Friday commemorates the crucifixion every Easter time. Right. The 13th disciple was Judas Iscariot. There were 12 apostles. Judas betrayed Jesus, which led to the crucifixion. Obviously, they kicked him out of the clan. That right? didn't work out for that him. didn't work yeah. out so well. They brought in another one, uh, but the 13th disciple was considered Judas Iscariot. Okay. So, Friday combined with 13 became a very bad day. In, in the early church's mind, anyway. But then, like, how did that translate, like, going forward to, like, there being, like, no 13th floor in a hotel and stuff like that? Right. Like, it was considered unlucky to be the 13th anything. Yeah. Yes. But it comes out of that ancient religious, uh, Christian religious stuff. Yeah. It's funny that like so many like horror things and like all like the scary things all like really are born out of religion. Because we talked about this with uh, various different like scary things throughout the year right, where right. they're all kind of born out of like faith and religion. Yeah, I think that's true. Yeah, yeah. I, um, I, I don't know. I feel I never really think about any of those things. Like I've never been really superstitious. I've never, um, you know, like the throw salt over your shoulder or break a, step on a crack, break it. Like I've never really cared about any of that stuff. And then I lived in the South, and like people wouldn't split the pole if you're walking down the street and stuff like that. And I'm like, I don't even know where all this stuff comes from. Like it doesn't really move me. But I always feel like. Am I like missing out on something because I'm not participating? I think for a lot of queer people, LGBT people, we're part of all that, right? We are part of oh, the yeah, non-conforming, yeah, the yeah. unusual, the peculiar, the yeah. bizarre. So we naturally gravitate into those sort of arenas. Right? I love all that. Yeah, yeah. So tell people about what you did on your show today because your show comes on before ours and it goes into the podcast form as well. And I was telling you guys uh, in studio and on the end of your show, it was rather weird to me because you had Leslie Jordan, who people know as Beverly Jordan, Beverly Leslie. From right. From from Will and Grace uh, that I've been watching, you know, for years and years and years. But when I was in 11th grade, I was a a student journalist. And uh, my first, like, big interview that I did was going to the ABC station, uh, ABC 7, and interviewing Cheryl Jennings, who was our, 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 you know, primetime anchor. And it was crazy to me because... 
Leslie Jordan was there that day. And so today I have a student from USC who's following me around and Leslie Jordan was here today. Yeah, like, so it's like all it's, peak parts yeah. of your life. There's Leslie Jordan. Exactly. So tell people about Sidebar and, and what you do. We on the had show. a great show today. We it was kind of a mishmash because to me, I'm not fully engaged yet with the holidays. I'm yeah. like in complete denial that You're, Christmas Eve is two weeks away. I was gonna say it's December thirteenth. <laughs> what is it gonna I take? I, I'm in complete denial. I don't have a tree, I haven't bought a card, I haven't yeah. bought a gift. I will now start to get into it. But we're kind of in this weird thing because it was Friday the thirteenth, right. along with being December. So I kind of mishmashed a show today. Leslie was there to promote his holiday show. Okay. Okay. But we also had a swap back, the Sex Workers uh, of, of America. Uh, they're organizing sex workers, meaning porn stars, strippers, go-go boys, uh, 976 operators, escorts and prostitutes. A lot of them are misused, discriminated against, subjected to violence. Tuesday is the International Day Against Violence Against Sex Workers, celebrated all over the world, to raise consciousness about these marginalized people that many people consider disposable, especially uh, a lot of heterosexual men that think, you just put a dollar in that bikini, I can you do grab her breast or do whatever I want, because yeah. I've now bought a dollar's worth of abusing this human being. And so the so, organization is called? SWAP, Sex Workers Outreach Project, okay. and they organize sex workers, in, in essence, to fight back. Okay. Like they're laborers, they do work, they do honest living, and... And uh, notwithstanding the criminalization of their profession, they're about decrimming that. But at the same time, they're trying to bring some dignity to their work. I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. me too. I feel like we've had conversations on our show in the past couple of months about sex workers' rights and like them trying to, you know, uh, basically kind of destigmatize it more and more right. and wanting to get fair pay. And um, I feel like there was even some conversation about them unionizing at some point, yes, like trying to that. join yeah. up. How is that going? They're still doing it. They're, right now, they're getting legislation through. And uh, we were at... I, I went with a couple of them to the district attorney's candidates forum the other night where two of the candidates came out in favor of decriminalizing prostitution. Really? In LA. I was like, wow, we have come along when two of the candidates. It's kind of a trip because it also seems like this is LA. It seems like we're a little bit behind the eight ball on that one. But it yeah. also, I mean, it's also California where you kind of think of us as being more progressive. But like, We've never been more progressive in that area. Yeah. San Francisco Bay Area is. Yeah. San Francisco does not prosecute prostitution. Los Angeles still does. So yeah. we're, we're getting caught up a bit. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Well, we're yeah. going to take a quick break. When we come back, Elizabeth Warren is coming after her, some of her more moderate uh, Democratic opponents. We'll talk about that. Also, the House Judiciary Committee just voted to impeach Donald Trump. They just moved another step closer to that, um, coming off of all of those different hearings that we've been having. Plus... The FCC has approved a new three-digit hotline that you're going to want to know more about. All those things and so much more coming up. Don't go anywhere. Drop the subject. Comes back in just a few minutes. Drop the subject. The new Channel Q. Today is a solemn and sad day. For the third time in a little over a century and a half, the House Judiciary Committee has voted articles of impeachment against the president for abuse of power and obstruction of Congress. The House will act expeditiously. It is an historic day here in America. Welcome back to Drop the Subject. I'm Jared. Ali is out. In with me today is John Duran. Uh, John, I'm excited that you're here today because we can talk about uh, the historic nature of a day like today uh, in America where our House of Representatives um, is going to now have a full vote on impeaching the President of the United States. Um, this is the second time in my lifetime, the first time in my adult life, uh, that this has happened. And it's, Obviously not happened very many times before. Uh, 
talk to me about how, what you're thinking about what this means in, in America today. You know, I think the founders are really smart about this. They made it virtually impossible to remove a president. They did. Yeah. But they put in checks and balances to correct bad behavior. So Andrew Johnson was the first one. After the Civil War, you know, the Congress decided to try to impeach him uh, about the restoration of the South and restoring the South. The South being then controlled by Democrats who are actually anti-black mm-hmm. then historically. And so they voted to impeach Andrew Johnson, but the Senate ended up not convicting and removing him. That was the first time. Second time was Richard Nixon, uh, but before they could start the articles of House uh, He was like, I'm up out of here. He's like, I'm out of here. I'm resigning. And you know, Richard Nixon, despite all his flaws, was a pretty decent president on a whole lot of other things. I I didn't like him, but he was pretty decent. Bill Clinton, Monica Lewinsky. Okay, same thing. House of Representatives controlled by the Republicans voted to impeach him for lying to the Congress about his affair with Monica Lewinsky, but the Senate ended up not convicting and not removing him. So now here we are again, and if history repeats itself, we may end up in the same place. As where, we anticipate it will. Yeah, where the House is going to impeach him. This will be the third time in American history, but the Senate will not uh, remove him, convict and remove him. Last night was interesting because after 13 hours of debate, they kind of surprisingly like went into recess. Uh, right. I was watching last night, and they were like, whoa, everyone was kind of stunned that uh, Jerry Nadler, the uh, chairman of the, of the committee, uh, was basically said, we're not going to vote tonight, we're going to vote tomorrow. And right. Republicans were very upset about of it. Course. And Democrats were saying, which they didn't come out and speak about it, which was uh, kind of surprising, but they were saying, you know, off air, that they didn't want to do it in the cover of night, because right. it was basically midnight uh, on the West Coast, on, on the East Coast. would give the Republicans a talking point. They exactly. would say, in the middle of the night, the Democrats took this vote yeah. nobody was watching. Well, and there were seemingly no pleasing them, right? Because yeah. if they took it last night, it would be, this was in the cover of night. If they right. paused it as they did, then right. it would be, well, why are you doing this? You're this not is, following the rules sense. in more kangaroo court. Exactly. Right. It didn't matter. So there, there was no way to please the Republicans on that. But I, as we now move to the House, I think one of the concerns that I have is we have, like, there seems like there's a, a handful of Democrats that may kind of defect, if you will, uh, and vote against impeachment. But then we also know that that's all political, right? Impeachment is always a a political process. Um, How do you think Republican, how do you think Democrats voting against impeachment will impact them uh, back in their in their home districts? Personally, I think it's not going to have any impact one way or the other. Yeah. I, I think the reason that we have Democrats in seats that were formerly red is because a lot of people who have previously not voted turned out and voted. Yeah. You know, and those are people that I think are in support of impeachment. So I don't think those people are going to not vote because of uh, somebody abstains or votes no on the impeachment call. Or uh, I think I think the, the biggest fear I have is that the moderate Republicans who should have a conscience about all this in the Senate are going to vote against the impeachment. I, I mean, I, I still have hope that Mitt Romney of Utah, he's a pretty principled guy. Yeah. I don't agree with him, but he's a pretty principled guy. He should vote to convict and remove. Susan Collins in Maine is another person. Well, to hang sure. on Mitt Romney for a minute, yeah. I, I expected Mitt Romney to come into the Senate and I don't know, make waves, <laughs> you know, like before he was elected, he was kind of a defector on Twitter and, you know, had things to say about the president. But something about like Republicans, when they get elected, when when he when Mitt Romney's gotten elected or when they come under the, you know, the presidency of Donald Trump, have all just kind of like softened their edges and become OK with Donald Trump. I think the the harshest one that we've seen, like the most stark contrast was Lindsey Graham. Um, I'm I'm. I'm wondering what it's going to take for them, and I don't know that there is anything that will ever move them 
to say like Donald Trump is not going to be okay unless you know his approval rating within the party drops severely or you know I'm I'm kind of in this space of thinking he could get away with anything at this point because like they're not going to go through another impeachment process right if he does something even more egregious um, it's politically damaging it doesn't seem like it's really moved public opinion when we look at the polling um, if anything it's moved one or two points in his favor which is kind of surprising but I think a sign of our times uh, what do you expect going forward looking at 2020 how do you think this helps or hurts him I think I think the real test will be who controls the Senate after 2020 yeah if the Democrats retake the Senate if they pick up four or five seats which is possible yeah it'll be a big slap on the hands of the Republicans that they not only lost the House in 2018 but they lost the Senate in 2020 and God willing they lose the White House too I mean well, that would be the ultimate rebuke I think the interesting thing is if they were to win the 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 full control of Congress, they would then be able to get through an impeachment process. But then it's like the political damage of like a newly reelected president. And right. like, I'm sure Donald Trump does something literally every week that's seemingly impeachable. Every day. <laughs> you know every what I mean? Day. So so it's, a, it's a, a weird question to try and figure out how they will handle that in another administration of Donald Trump. Because, you know, plenty of them have said, you know, we can live with, uh, you know, four years of Donald Trump we can deal with. But like eight years, we, we don't think we can bounce back. I don't, I don't think from. any of them love Donald Trump. Any I of the Republicans? They, yes. I think they fear his base. Jim Jordan? Jim Jordan. He's a psycho. You know what I mean? Like Matt Jim Gantz, Jordan or... A, they're crazy. Or, I mean, some of them, some of them, I'm like, really? Like, you're really leaning into it here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think they fear the Trump base. They fear the Tea Party. They absolutely. fear being primaried. That's their fear. That's yeah. their motivation. Not love of Donald Trump. All right. Well, we got to take a quick break. When we come back, we've got a fantastic interview uh, circling around this new film called Hell on the Border. I'll explain all that coming up next. Don't go to anywhere. Drop the subjects. Coming right back. Drop the subject. The new Channel Q. Welcome back to Drop the Subject. I'm excited because we have a guest in the studio. Whenever we have a guest in the studio, it's always a good time. Joining us in studio um, is my guest co-host, John Duran from Sidebar. Here, present. And uh, also joining me in studio is writer and director Wes Miller. Yes, how you doing? Very well. Thanks for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. Now, you have a brand new film called Hell on the Border. It's hitting theaters today. And uh, I'm I'm excited for you to be able to tell us the story of of Bass Reeves that who is this film is about. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, um, plays today starting uh, select theaters and on demand. Um, and so it's about Bass Reeves that you mentioned. As you mentioned, he was the first African American deputy marshal west of the Mississippi. And it's a story that I came across as I was researching, looking for the next story to tell. And as a minority filmmaker, I look for minority heroes that um, history may have overlooked or that, you know, genres haven't really explored. And I came across this story and in doing so, I really found that his story, although it took place in the 1870s, was still relevant for today. Mm. And the more I researched, the more I thought this is a story that I really want to work on and and, bring to the public. It's interesting because we have so many stories of policing in the news right now. And so to see a police to see him as a sheriff who had such an impact uh, is kind of a, a it's a different dynamic of, of storytelling yeah. um, now if I'm correct he was born a slave is that correct that's correct how did he become sheriff so he was born a slave and during uh, he l- pretty much broke away from his master went into the Indian territory stayed 
you know, hidden until after the Civil War and then emancipation. And then he came out of the territory, went to Fort Smith, Arkansas. And he just started as a Pisceman, you know, to make money, basically. And um, history is kind of cloudy, you know, the records Mm -hmm. on exactly why or how he decided to become. And it's a marshal, how he became a marshal. Sorry about that. No, it's cool. And we don't know exactly why. Um, because again, like that's lost to history. Yeah. So that was for us was a place where we could utilize our dramatic, you know, talents to, you know, kind of boost that up a little bit, make it a little bit cinematic. Um, but yeah, he 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 was dedicated to that, and I, I this is a good question that you ask. Uh, you know, thinking about it, I believe like Bass represents the best of what law enforcement could and should be Mm. and you know I think we have the divide now although at times it's termed as African American community versus the uh, law enforcement community black versus blue right yeah it's it's really not that it's really about regular citizens saying we need our law enforcement to be held accountable Mm. so it's about accountability not necessarily anti and I believe when Bass was doing his thing back in the day he exhibited the best of what law enforcement should and could be and he just happened to be a black you know freed slave doing it so that's why I believe he's still real relevant today and could be an example should be an example of what law enforcement really should be at its best you know what a contrast. Can I jump in? Yeah, what yeah. a what a contrast, though, because the same time that's happening, there are law enforcement officers in the Deep South who are lynching blacks mm-hmm. after the Civil War, like under the badge of authority, lynching African Americans for any reason whatsoever. Which so is how a, they could coexist to me is really interesting. Well, it's an interesting point to me that you you bring that up because I think uh, you were talking about how it's oftentimes the conversation is black versus blue, but I always think about the intersectionality there, right? What if you're a black police officer? My mm-hmm. uncle is a, was a black sheriff and just retired. And so I think that's part of the interesting story with Bass Reza's story because it was not an easy time for him. Right, right, right. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, there's a line in the movie where he says, you know, the law put me in in chains, but the law also set me free. Mm -hmm. And I think that does really speak to that ironic nature. That's beautiful, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll take credit for that one. Who wrote that? (laughs) I'll take credit for that one. Uh, You know, but it does. It it does talk to the dichotomy that you both uh, mentioned. And, you know, yeah, there are people who could see and say, well, you know, why did the black man really dedicate to law enforcement? Um, I believe Bass, just based off what I've read, felt like the way we can advance as a citizenry is to have our law enforcement and our justice system applied equally and fairly and protect our citizens. And at the end of the day, that's what law enforcement does. It's there for our protection. And then when that intersection of protection versus accountability starts to meet, that's when you have a breakdown. And I believe that's why, as a citizenry, we have to make sure that our law enforcement officers are being held accountable when they make mistakes. Um, But we want them to do their job and do it fairly and do it good. Well, I was as you watch the trailer, like this is it. It's exciting. It looks emotional. Uh, we're actually going to be hosting a screening of it tonight in North Hollywood. So for folks that are listening in Los Angeles, um, you can uh, go to the Lemley Theater in North Hollywood, and we'll be doing a screening this evening. And more information online about that. But um, tell people why you think they need to go and see this film. I believe they need to go because they get to see a representation of a, a black hero on the screen in a western. You know, when I was set out to make this movie and doing research and was looking for westerns that featured a black hero the list was less than 
uh, two handfuls. Mm-hmm. Blazing Saddles, Mel Brooks. Yeah, that, 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 <laughs> well, uh, little, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that was one. And then you have Django, you have Magnificent Django. Seven. Mm-hmm. And then you have to go all the you have posse. Then you have to go all the way back to the seventies. You know, after that, and then there were only maybe five or six. Then, um, so it's a chance for us to see positive heroes. It's an exciting story. It's a very character-driven story with some some action in it. And he almost kind of looks like a superhero in the in the in the trailer. Like it's it's exciting. Yeah, you know, me and the star David Jesse when we were working through Bass, um, we do see him as a superhero. Yeah, a real life superhero. And you know, we believe that this is like his origin story. You know, for the superhero, and we hope we're able to come back and do another one that expounds upon that, and then maybe another one because it's impossible to get all of Bass's life in a two hour piece. Absolutely. You know. Well, again, for those of you that are in the Los Angeles area tonight at the Lindley theater at seven o'clock we'll be having a screening and we'll be doing a Q&A with you myself hosting it yes uh, so we're looking forward to that make sure you guys uh, come out and, and support the movie if you're not here in Los Angeles uh, it's out in select theaters and on on demand available for people to check out correct absolutely all right, all right Wes Miller we really appreciate you being here all I'll right. see you later tonight yep absolutely thank we, you for your time of course of course we're gonna take a quick break when we come back more drop the subject don't go anywhere all right, thank you drop the subject the new channel Q Welcome back to Drop the Subject. I want to uh, get into this chat with you about 2020. Um, We always have robust discussions about our candidates, about who we think is going to do what. Um, And right now, Elizabeth Warren has been kind of making some waves. She's been seen as kind of attacking some of her her more moderate uh, Democratic uh, adversaries now. Now that they're kind of adversarial, I guess, um, but at least opponents. So I wanted to play this clip from Elizabeth Warren and, uh, and get your feedback. Unlike some candidates for the Democratic nomination, I'm not betting my agenda on the naive hope that if Democrats adopt Republican critiques of progressive policies or make vague calls for unity, that somehow the wealthy and well-connected will stand down. So uh, taking a, a look at this uh, discussion that's being had in Huffington Post, they say the Massachusetts senator is strongly defending her progressive vision for the, the nation built on uh, using new taxes to extend benefits such as universal child care and health coverage um, and, and really kind of coming after some of the more moderate folks. And we haven't been able to talk since Kamala Harris got out of the race. I know. I know you Kamala. and I were both with Kamala. Yeah. Well, we lost I, our candidate. Well, like, I've always liked Kamala. I wasn't quite sure if she was getting my vote yet, but like, I've always liked her and thought she was really great. Um what do you think about Elizabeth Warren starting to kind of go more on the attack now? I think she has to because the primaries are coming up. She's got to attract as many Democrats as she can. But I think it's important to remember, if this country voted on majority vote, Hillary Clinton would be the president of the yeah. United States. We don't vote on majorities. Yeah. Electoral college. Yeah. And like it or not, this is a center-right country. I don't like it. Mm-hmm. You know, I wish it was a center-left country. But the reality is, if you look at all of our politics, very rarely have we had a real progressive. FDR probably the closest thing and he didn't even know well, he was a progressive. I would push back on you with that because I've heard that um, if you look at polling across the nation we are actually a little bit more to the left because I mean if you look at if we're just talking about popular votes like Republicans haven't won a popular have only won two popular votes That's in so 30 true. years. But again the presidents are elected by electoral college. I believe that it, you know I agree with you that on, on a national poll yeah. it's a very progressive. I yeah. agree with you on that. I, if the election was held today uh, whoever the Democrat is would probably win by 5 million votes. Yeah. 
and lose the White House. Right. Because we have an electoral college in place. It's in the Constitution. From an electoral per- perspective, we're more center-right is what you're saying. Yes. If you look at the electoral college, it's kind of there. The founders put it there so the country wouldn't change that fast. Yeah. They kind of wanted the country to evolve, but not that fast. Yeah. I think something stable. Well, I. what do you think about Kamala Harris getting out of the race? I think for me, it's been, it was, it was surprising, number one, because she came in with such heat around her name. Right. And then to get out so quickly, <clears throat> it made me also think, like, oh, we should probably probably see a few more people drop out before the next debate. But I know you're heartbroken about Kamala Harris being I out of the am, race. What does that I do for you as a, as a candidate list? No, I'm looking at all of them. And they all have great stuff going on. You know, I like the stuff Bernie Sanders says. I like the stuff Elizabeth Warren says. I like Pete Buttigieg, mostly because just to have an openly gay person run, I think is exciting to me. Um, and I like Joe Biden because I know him. Yeah. I, and I knew, knew him when he was with Obama. I still think the way to win the Electoral College is to have a Biden Harris ticket or okay. a Biden Abrams ticket. So I was saying earlier that I thought that Kamala Harris would would when the second debate happened and she had that that little girl was me moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought if Joe Biden becomes the candidate, she has sealed the deal that she's vice president. But then I was talking with Ken Charles from KNX upstairs about it and he was like, Yeah, but she doesn't add anything to his ticket and I thought to myself, Well, that's actually true because he has more of the black vote than she does. Yeah. And so then I'm thinking I don't know that Kamala Harris is a great pick for him because I don't know what she adds to the ticket other than being a black woman, which will seemingly they I, I think some pollsters would say like that will activate black women. But is that is that what you're kind of thinking? And an attack dog. The vice presidential candidate has to be an attack dog against the party in power. She'd be a great attack dog. Interesting. OK. And with Joe Biden supposedly only taking one term, that would set her up in a good position to be to be president next. Yep. OK. I could see that there perspective. All right. We've got to take a quick break. Drop the subject. Comes back in four minutes. Drop the subject. The new Channel Q. Drop the subject is back, and uh, it's the top of the hour. Want to remind you, Ali's not died. She's not like left the show. She's just in Asia. She will be back on Monday. Joining me in studio as my special guest co-host for the day is host of Sidebar with John Duran kind of implied his name is John Duran uh, yay <laughs> <laughs> welcome uh, thank you for being here with me I wanted to have this chat with you because I know you're not like a huge social media person but you said you're on no. Facebook every day uh, I'm a boomer you're <laughs> I'm a boomer I know how to like hit the download button okay boomer I know how to get on grinder and scruff I know the basics there you yeah, go yeah. okay well I thought this would be interesting to have you on because you are a boomer and I said earlier um, I have uh, one of our students from NABJLA uh, who's a USC student. Uh, he's with me today. Uh, his name is Cecil. Cecil, how's it going? It's going great. Thank you for having me. He is a broadcast uh, journalism student. What is your major? Uh, broadcast journalism. Yeah, broadcast journalism. Uh, he anchors their news there. And he is technically on the cusp of being Gen Z and millennial. Hmm. I'm hardcore millennial. You're a boomer. Yes. And Facebook has done this uh, this data survey. Basically, they've kind of tapped into all the data that they have to try to predict the trends of 2020. And so I thought this could be really interesting to see how everyone in this room responds because it's rather multi-generational as a panel. So the first thing that they say is going to be a big thing next year is flexitarians, green diets, and green rooms. Now, do, are you guys familiar with what it is to be a flexitarian? I have no idea. Not at all. Neither one of you? No. Nope. No clue. Okay. It says <laughs> Americans are talking more about uh, methane emissions associated with animal agriculture, but they're not willing to give up meat entirely. Facebook says the rise of flexitarianism, which is a majority plant-based diet that occasionally incorporates meat and fish, could become a 2020 movement. I've been saying, like, I would love to be a weekday vegan, but I don't think I could really do it. 
are either one of you considering any kind of like dietary changes or are you on any kind of special diets? Are French fries considered flexitarian? <laughs> no. <laughs> yes, actually. I guess they could work, but yeah. Cecil? You know, I would love to be vegan, but chicken sandwiches are my life. I can't give them up. But the Impossible Burgers are good. You know, oh. I'm I'm starting to get on those more. But they're not any healthier. They're horrible. But I feel better about myself after eating it because I know it's not real meat. Okay. Are you do you see other students that are like trying to lean into all kinds of different like fad diets? Well, you know, at USC everybody is either vegan or pescatarian. Um it seems like more and more I'm like the outcast. I'm like people are like you're eating beef. I'm like you can't eat beef anymore. What's, what's are we not yeah. doing that? Is that is, not cool? Is that, is that not cool anymore? Now John, you live in West Hollywood. And I'm a bodybuilder. And you're a bodybuilder, so, so you've seen every kind of diet. So, to me, going vegetarian means I'm having fish. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you're like, that's really pushing yeah, yeah, it for that's you. That's pushing it, like fish. Yeah. But, like, I'm, I'm sure amongst all of your West Hollywood friends, there's a million different diets. There, there are. But... And there's paleo, and there's the the South Beach, and there's the this and the that, and the vegan, and the... Yeah, I, I, I'm just old school. I just, you know, I like steak, I like chicken, I like fish, I need to have a protein source. I, I can't imagine going vegan. Okay. Well, they say another part of this topic um, is houseplants and succulents. They say Canadians are greening up living spaces with indoor plants and sharing the results widely. They call themselves plant parents. Um, and the influencers are encouraging their fo- their followers to get greener. And I keep talking to friends that are saying more and more like, I need to have more plants in my house. I need to have this. And I'm like, where is this coming from? Like, why does everyone care about stuff like this? Either one of you? I don't have a plant in my house at all. Um, my roommate has a cactus, but that's that's about it. I mean, we don't really... Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So Facebook has not hit the mark on this one, it seems like. Apparently I so. not. I mean, I, I have bird cages in the back patio, and I have plants all around them. But that counts. That counts, I guess, but in, in the apartment. Ryan Mitchell's in the studio like, I have plants. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, do cannabis plants count? Uh, well, I mean, kind of. I mean, it's California. It's California, yeah. All right. They say, uh, so the next one is they. what they're talking about is the milk bath. They say self-care is now synonymous for with luxuriating uh, in the United States. So it's fitting that the baths could come back in a big way. Specifically, Facebook predicts milk baths will become in vogue. They say, rumored to be a pastime of Cleopatra, the baths are supposedly moisturizing for dry skin. Um, and, and like it's, it's supposedly a big thing. I've never even considered this. Either one of you heard of either one of these. The only baths I know are the Hollywood Spa. Okay, different conversation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, different conversation. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, but no milk bath? No, never. Honestly, Season? I don't even have a bathtub. I only have a shower. So I can't even, uh-huh. if I, even if I wanted to, I couldn't participate. So I'm going to pass I guess Cecil and I aren't trending. We're just yeah, not we're trending. Just not, well, not like cool I've enough. never taken, I don't normally fit in bathtubs. So like I only take a bath if I'm in a hotel room and I it has a big bath. I putting two people in a bathtub would be fun. That's not fun. I have never had fun with another person. I didn't in a see that coming either. Okay. <laughs> I'm no, just saying. No, point taken. I mean, yeah. people generally don't fit. Right, in television and movies, like look how erotic this is. Two people on the top. Where do you put your knees? There's nowhere to put your knees. I don't even know how to respond. To that. <laughs> okay, they say the next thing that is going to be continuing to grow um, are they, what they're calling pod people. Basically, it's talking about podcasts, and they there's like more than seven hundred thousand podcasts wow. now. Obviously, uh, all of us here at Channel Q, all of our shows become podcasts. See, so I'm going to start with you on this one. How are you listening to podcasts, and if so, how many? Oh, that's tough. Um, I occasionally listen to podcasts. Okay. I listen to radio every day in the car, um, but podcasts, I just, I, I don't know. I just, I don't have the attention span for it sometimes. I'm kind of surprised that you said you're listening to the radio every day in the car. Well, it's because I honestly don't have an aux cord in my car. It's the it's the oh, struggle of a college wow. student. So wow. I, and I'm not going to invest in one tomorrow or next week. So I'm going to keep listening to the radio. I, mean, I 
Wow. Okay. I I did not expect that answer. Okay. Are you listening to Pods, John? Never. Never listen to Pods? Never listen to a You pod. don't even listen to your own pod. Not even my own podcast. He's like, I, I heard it. I was there. <laughs> I was there. I never... I listen to a lot of podcasts. Ryan, Ryan is kind of surprised. You don't listen to podcasts? I listen to about 20 podcasts. He, he says he listens to like 20. Wow. I probably listen to half a dozen regularly, but like I have like subscriptions to a bunch of them, and like when something good comes on, I'll tune into it. Uh, we had Ronan Farrell on the show uh, just recently, so I've been listening to his pod, uh, Cash and Kill. I listen to The Read, which is you know Black America's, our, our favorite podcast. Um, but like I listen to a lot of pods. What they're talking about here in the article is how um, with all of the the media that we're kind of taking in, podcasts have been really great for kind of supplementing people's uh, ways of getting information, especially if you're in the car or if you're out running or walking or whatever it is or grocery shopping. And so they predict that uh, more and more people are going to be listening to podcasts. John, next year, you're going to be listening to more podcasts. I, I'll start, I guess. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we're going to take a quick pause. When we come back, um, Emmy, Emmy's, are you listening to podcasts? How many are you listening to? I don't know. She says, I don't know. Like, give me a ballpark. I don't know. Because I'll finish some. She says she'll finish some. Because, like, some of them are, like, seasonal. Some are seasonal. Okay. You're watching, you're talking about shows that, like, will have a few episodes and they'll be over. Yeah. Okay. Well, you guys are going to be listening to podcasts more regularly. We're going to get you an auxiliary cord. But I also want to keep you listening to the radio. I love that. Speaking of which, we're on the radio. We'll take a quick break. You're listening to to the new Channel Q on the radio and radio.com. Drop the Subject presents News It or Lose It. Welcome back to Drop the Subject. It is John Duran's very first News It or Lose It. Yes. I always say on the show, this is where democracy reigns on Drop the Subject, where I have three three headlines, you have three votes, and the people might get three stories. All right. You're excited about this bell, aren't you? I'm really... We we don't get to use this on the sidebar. (laughs) Ryan Ryan uses it a lot. Brian's like, all right, you guys, calm down with the bell. All right, chill out. Um, Okay, so our first headline. Fishermen separate giant octopus and bald eagle battling in Canadian fjord. Seriously. That's a a headline. I would not even want to know what that's about. So say lose it. Lose it. There you go. All right. Um, There's a luxury yacht that turns into a submarine. Ah, you, you ain't got me up. Ah. Wow, double losing. Yeah, okay. I, I'm sorry. I, the word you, No, no, no. Am I not it's doing fun. this right? No, no, no. It's exactly oh, what you okay, want. Okay. It's exactly what you want. Now, the word genius.com word of the day is ossified. Okay. There we go. Well, I want to know what it means. Like, exactly. That's I'm that, not maybe I'm an ossificator. Maybe you maybe you're ossified. Maybe, maybe I'm ossifying as Maybe we you speak. require ossification. I'll explain to you what ossified is coming up after this. <laughs> Drop the subject. The new channel Q. Drop the subject presents. News it or lose it. John Duran is sitting here looking through. He's learning more and more, and he's like, I wish I had said yes to this. Well, as I'm sitting here ossifying, I'm wondering <laughs> about the octopus and the eagle. Well, well you lost it, okay? <laughs> I mean, was it underwater, in which case the octopus has the advantage, or was it above ground? You know, and you I'd go with eagle. You should have thought about all these questions before you so abruptly lost my story. <laughs> yeah. You did this to yourself. I did. Do you really want to know? 
I'm cornered. Okay. Well, apparently the eagle was uh, the the headline comes from CNN. I'm going to let you recant on your on your lose it so that you can learn about this story because okay. otherwise we're not allowed to talk about the stories anymore. Oh, that's how this works. Oh, I, okay. But you're new here, so I'm going to let it rock. They say a team of salmon farmers are feeling pretty proud after they were able to rescue a bald eagle from an octopus off the northwest tip of Canada's Vancouver Island. They say the group was returning um, to their float house when um, when they heard a screeching and splashing sound last Monday. After investigating the sounds, they say that they found a full-sized eagle submerged in the water with a giant octopus in the water trying to drag it down. The team watched uh, the interaction for about five minutes, unsure if they should intervene or help. They said that they weren't really sure if they should do anything because it's Mother Nature, survival of the fittest. Um, But it was heart-wrenching to see this octopus um, as it was trying to drown the eagle. They said the team decided to then help do something to help after um, to help the the eagle. They say after getting close enough to the battle, they reached out with a pole um, with a small hook attached. While it, another coworker started recording it on camera, so there's obviously great video of it, um, and they were able to like free the eagle from the, the and calamari of for everyone. No. <laughs> <laughs> I will say though, like uh, as Cecil was saying here in the studio, like octop- the octopus is one of the most intelligent animals. Like, if you have you ever watched like videos on YouTube of octopus? No. Where they no. like they will get themselves out of a jar. If you put one in a jar, they will figure out how to open it from the inside and get themselves out. They've you know gotten themselves out of a tank and moved around. They they have them in places where they've been studied, where they will get themselves out of the tank, move around, and go get something to eat and come back before the person comes back and ever knows that they're gone and they only know that it happened because it was like caught on camera and they could see them coming out and moving. They're this freaky smart. This is like smart. Finding Dory. You see, now if you see Finding Dory on Disney seen. Channel, that's it's all about the octopus. Is it really? Yeah. Is it right? Oh, wait. Am I the only one that saw Finding Dory? Ryan is nodding yes. Yeah, okay. You thought about this? (laughs) I've not seen Finding Dory, but I will tell you, every time I hear an octopus story, I'm a little bit weirded out because the videos of them are, they almost, they're almost like a horror film because they're so smart. It's the Kraken. It's, sure. I've, I've heard of this movie, never seen it. Oh, Pirates I'll, of the Caribbean. All I know is release the Kraken. <laughs> release the Kraken, Pirates of the Caribbean. All the time. Okay, the one thing you actually did news was ossified. the word genius.com word of the day is ossified. Do you know what the word means? I think it means to stir up a lot, like mix things up. No, that's oh, not right. Uh, os- okay. It means to be... T- <laughs> we normally always get this word wrong, get the words wrong, not oh, knowing okay, what they mean. Right, okay. So it's okay. Uh, ossify is a verb. It means to transform into bone. Or to become rigid in habit or belief. So it is like physically ossify or like in theory or, or metaphorically. Only on Saturday nights. Oh, I, <laughs> I, as I was reading it, I was like, you're really walking you're into really this walking. one, Barry. You really set yourself up for that one. Thank God Allie comes back on Monday. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, uh, Ryan Mitchell's going to be here to tell us what's coming up on Let's Go There. And a new trailer for a film that he and I are both really excited about um, has come out. We'll give you a, a glimpse into that trailer trailer uh, and talk a little bit about the movie that's coming up next drop the subject the new channel q it is about time to get out of here so before we go ryan mitchell from uh, let's go there with cheer and ryan is here in studio with me oh hi uh, oh yeah you're that's here. me yeah. <laughs> 
that's enough. Okay, uh, my arch nemesis is uh, sitting in with us, and um, I, I'm happy that you're here because yes. you and I are very excited about uh, this new movie that's coming out. Oh my god, yes, I am in the heights. If we're talking about the same thing, yes, in the heights is coming out. Um, one of my, I would say it's probably. In my top three, and it's not number three. Oh, is it like two or one? It's definitely one or two. Like, because it was one of the the Broadway shows that really introduced me to Broadway. Yeah, and so like it's it's been like it's gonna be a movie. It's gonna be a movie at some point. Yeah, Um, it's based uh, on Lin Manuel. Lin Manuel Miranda, uh, his um, his play that's set in Washington Heights in Nor- in New York City, uh, and uh, it's a really really awesome show. And um, the trailer for it came out and was trending when it did. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's take a listen to just a little bit of it. Hey. On these blocks, you can't walk two steps without bumping into someone's big plan. I'm making moves, I'm making deals, but guess what? What? You still ain't got no skills. <laughs> I'm super excited because wait, did you you wanted more? No, I just was that me laughing? No, no. It sounded like a laugh. And I didn't know if it was me. It sounded like my laugh. I was like, oh, look, I'm featured in the movie. <laughs> no, I, I love this show. Uh, Benny, who you heard there at the end, yes. still ain't got no skills, is like one of my favorite characters. Well, like, first, I just love the show. This this play is one of the, the was one of the first musicals that I've, I ever saw on Broadway. It was like, it was that, uh, The Lion King and Wicked. And mm. like, I saw them all around the same time. Uh, my mom was trying to introduce that into my life. She a, wanted a gay song. Well, I mean, clearly. I mean, I just don't understand how she was confused when it happened. Um, but no, it was one of those moments where I would sing just black or brown people yeah. on a stage um, in that moment when it wasn't The Lion King yeah. was actually quite beautiful to me. And that was like one of the most big, like one of the things I, I will always remember. And I'm so excited about this musical turning into a movie. And uh, I, I can't wait it. to see it. I'll be there opening night. I saw it when it was on national tour and it came to uh, Atlanta and I saw the show and like I knew the sound track forwards and backwards Um, but then seeing the show on stage is so different because there's like there's a moment in it that's emotional on the soundtrack and then you watch it happen live on stage and I'm like ready to cry and like so the fact that it's coming to the big screen I'm super duper excited about that um, and cannot wait for this movie I I really can't wait it's been like 10 years in the making or something too that one actually was that was I learned the soundtrack before I even saw the play so a lot of of the theater shows that I've I'm like fell in love with were once like songs that I've probably watched like I've saw them perform in the Macy's Day Parade. Mm-hmm. Like that was something in our family that we watched as like um as like a, just a tradition, a tradition and that was something that was just so beautiful in my life that I was like, "Oh my god, I love this." And I found the soundtrack and downloaded it illegally at the I, time and that's all that matters. <laughs> I, I remember seeing them perform it uh, at the Tonys and like seeing that yes. performance of 98,000 and then learning the whole soundtrack and then seeing the show. So I'm really excited about the movie. I've never seen. It. I was going to uh, say you I've never see seen it. it. It's about my people. I was going to say and it's about it's Puerto about Latinos. Ricans, I've never never Exactly. Are you a Broadway gay? No. That's not your gay? No. I'm a secret Broadway gay. Like, no, I don't talk about it openly, but I have, like, I am into it. Are you in the closet? Yes. That's the only time. and it's uh, And it's a very glittery closet. Um, J. Rodriguez (laughs) played Usnavi. Did he just text you? He might or, he may or may not have. I don't know. Uh I can't confirm or deny. I know. I know. But he has a photo of him um, as Usnavi. And I will tell you, when Lin-Manuel Miranda came here, there's a thing called uh, uh, Musical Mondays here in West Hollywood. Mm -hmm. And he came and like they sing and they do like all these like performances in the in the in the clubs or whatever yeah. and they play the music and I'll have the videos playing and like he played Usnavi and I played Benny and like all of us did it there in West Hollywood it was such a fantastic show wow so was make sure you to check out this uh, film when it comes out okay 
Uh, before we go, tell us what's coming up on Let's Go There. Oh, yeah. So we have a great interview with Parson James. He is a Channel Q artist. He has a song called Stow the Show with Kygo, which is super exciting. And then we're talking about uh, this article that um, uh, Shira and I found that was talking about how oversleeping can actually cause a lot of health risk for you. It's mm. not. It might not be a good thing. So you think you're not getting enough sleep. Well, if you get too much sleep, honey, there's something wrong. So we're going to be diving into that. All right. John Duran. Yes, sir. You just discovered you have a podcast. I, I yes. No, I, I have a podcast. I didn't realize I had one. Uh, John Duran. Okay, okay, Boomer. Exactly, right? Okay, boomer. As, soon as, that, as soon as that segment was over, Cecil and John Duran were both like, so what is a podcast? Where do I find this? And like looking at podcasts, and now I think Facebook was right. I think in 2020, both of you will be listening to more podcasts. All right, Cecil, we'll be trending next year. <laughs> we, gotta, we will see you next time right here on uh, Drop the Subject when Allie is back on Monday. <laughs> John Duran's also really excited about the bell. Have a great weekend. We'll see you on Monday.